Hey there, Internet. I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And this is The Gem Jam, where we do an episode-by-episode recap of the 1980s cartoon Gem and the Holograms, because it is truly outrageous. This week we are covering episode 15 of the cartoon, The Rock Fashion Book, and wow, it is a wild ride from start to finish. Most of my notes are just things like, in all caps, the best thing ever happens. I don't... I, I just wrote turkeys over and over again. This episode is written by Rick Merwin, who wrote uh, only two other episodes in the show, one of which is the Shangri-La episode, which is a trip. Notable thing about Rick Merwin is that if there's a cartoon adaptation in the 80s, yo, he wrote it. This guy wrote all 13 episodes of the Problem Child cartoon. He wrote for the Mr. T cartoon, the Police Academy cartoon, the Karate Kid cartoon, Captain N, an episode of the Wizard of Oz cartoon, a bunch of episodes of the Mega Man cartoon. He wrote episodes for Defenders of the Universe, for Phantom 2040, for The Real Adventures of Johnny Quest, and I'm not listing everything that he's written episodes of. Oh god. I'd forgotten a bunch of those even existed. This is a man who has written a fanciful cartoon episode of Mr. T. Keep that in mind as we go into the madcap wonder that is the rock fashion book. We start innocently enough. In a boardroom. In a wood-paneled boardroom. Which I guess is at Starlight Music? Ostensibly, yeah. And we've got, we've got, well, we've got Jerrica and the holograms around a table. And we've got a guy uh, from Arlington House Publishing, Mr. Arlington himself, who has a proposal for Jem. So not 30 seconds in, Jerrica is off to find Jem. Look, isn't she the manager of this band? She should be able to do the talking. And on top of that, she just kind of dodges literally right out the door, switches, walks right back in. So mostly these hologram shenanigans are just to establish for the kids tuning in for the first time that holograms are a thing. And that Jem and Jerrica are the same person. Otherwise, it's completely pointless. Arlington here, he has heard of the the fashion award that they won in Italy a couple episodes back. And he wants to make a fashion book, which is like, continuity? What? Why is there continuity in this show? It doesn't make any sense. I don't understand. We reference things that came before us? I mean, kudos to, to Rick Merwin for actually, like, wanting to reference things that already happened. But, I mean... Frankly, in terms of referencing things that already happened, he kind of gets way overboard on that later. Arlington has a contract that Jem immediately says yes to and says he has to have the contract authorized by Jerrica. Why was Jem needed for any of that? It was She was just there to do a quick switch back and forth in under five seconds. Jem's like, I'll see if I can catch Jerrica before she leaves. Why is Jerrica leaving? Why would she leave? It's the middle of the freaking day. What's happening here? It's the middle of a freaking date while a contract negotiation is going on, Ms. Band Manager. Why would you leave? But, like, Derricka comes back in. She's like, sure, this sounds fine. And then that scene just sort of gently falls to sleep. <laughs> because it's Misfits time. And we snap to Misfits and we snap to uh, them hearing about this contract. And Roxy says my favorite line this episode so far. Those no-talent turkeys. It's also, like, Lindsay is reporting on this, so, like, once more we continue the trend of everything comes to a standstill for Lindsay's show. Pizzazz is like, this This fashion book could give the holograms the edge, which is, is this a line that we have heard before? Because I feel like we have heard this a lot. I feel like we've heard it at least five times. Yeah, this X would give the holograms the edge is something we hear quite a bit. When everything gives you the edge, nothing will. But Stormer suggests doing their own book. Which, you know, reasonable. Then it all goes violently downhill. Clash is here too, so Pizzazz is like, while we do this fashion book and get it out first, why don't you go spy on the holograms to keep an eye on them? 
Yeah, and Pizzazz mentions something like called Plan B. Meanwhile, at SeaWorld. <laughs> Which is not a thing you get to say very often. Clash is uh, entering the sea park and she goes, prices sure have gone up and because I am the inflation person. Right, it was $10, right? It was $10 and uh, that's $21.77 in today's money. That's still really cheap for a SeaWorld. That's really cheap. You could maybe, like, buy a hot dog outside of Disney World for that much. But they're shooting for the fashion book at SeaWorld of all places, and Kimber decides she wants a dolphin. Yeah, the photographers take pictures of them getting, like, kissed by dolphins. Gently kissed? And can dolph- I don't think dolphins could be that, like, smooching gentle. They'd probably shove you back, especially since they literally leapt out like they are about to go forward, and then somehow did the little standing dolphins thing. It was- the physics didn't work there. You know, that's a great point. Like, the the momentum just sort of stops there. It does not transfer onto the holograms. They're joking about, oh, yeah, Kimber, you can keep the dolphin in the bathtub. No, you can't! Well, you know, it's a it's a mansion bathtub. Why wouldn't they just talk about keeping it in the pool? The I guess the important thing is, talking about wanting a dolphin is apparently the perfect segue for a song. Come on in. It's not only that. It's not only that. It's not just come on in. The whole thing is come on in. The water's fine. That's a really long title. That's like a Fallout Boy song title. It seems like the water's fine should be in parentheses or something. Especially because it's not mentioned half as much as come on in. Come on in. Uh, this is our musical featuring seals, dolphins, mermaids, and also Rio for some reason. Rio's here. And we get Rio jumping into the water with Mermaid Gem, which is how sailors historically have been drowned by mermaids, so... Rio is invited into the water by Jem. He takes off his shoes, and that's it. He still has his socks on. Because, you know, that's what you want when you're swimming with a sexy mermaid, wet socks. He also still has his full, like, pants, full shirt. Yeah, he hasn't taken off a shirt or anything. I mean, surely he's wearing an undershirt under that button-up thing that he's got on. Everyone's mermaids in this, and later on there's a Norse longboat that's got a swan on the front. That sails into the west like in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Oh my god, it does! (laughs) I got that specifically as my last note for this this music video, is they go into the West. Oh my god. But I do have to say, despite, like, the imagery and everything, I I really do like Come On In. It's something I would literally hear on the radio, and then I would play it 5,000 times, and anytime somebody got into my car, they'd hate me a little bit. Oh, you do that. You do that with every song you like. Yeah, see? Oh, oh my god. You do that so much. It was the worst. <laughs> my point is proven. That's, you know, it's not def- it's definitely not in my top ten of hologram songs, but I can definitely see what you're getting at there. After the music video ends, they decide they're going to do platform shots over an orca tank. While they're setting up for that, Clash just sort of pops in and does what Clash does, which is just walk in, steal something random without looking at it, and walk out. Yeah, she swipes something off of a clipboard. That's it. That's her whole involvement in this. Then she just leaves. Although we do get the best exchange ever afterwards. Oh my god. It's it's maybe the best line of the episode. I feel like we should start keeping track of like the best lines of the episode because this is pretty incredible. Jim's like, careful, these are killer whales. And Shane is like, that's okay, we're wearing killer outfits. <laughs> the best part is the way Shana delivers this is like, even she doesn't believe the crap that's coming out of her mouth. <laughs> She's like, do I really have to say this line? We're wearing killer outfits. Oh, God. And the best part is that's not even the dumbest thing to happen in this scene. 
They take a picture of like they hold out four fish over this over this thing. The orcas jump up, like they jump up like a story at least. Take all four of the fish in their two mouths and then jump back down. Then they're like, well, I don't know, says the photographer. I guess we should go for, like, one more or so. Let's get a couple more just in case, which is like, you're a photographer. Why would you not take doubles? You're a photographer working in the era of film. You should be taking at least five. Each each shot probably consists of at least 200. So Kimber gets a fish, and then she goes from standing in one shot to falling in zero seconds flat. And then everybody else follows because... Because of this show. Kimber falls. Shayna tries to grab her and falls. Jem and Aja end up holding up Kimber and Shayna. Aja lasts an admirable long time because she's holding on to two people and she's sitting there for a solid five seconds maintaining this after long after Jem's fallen and she's still holding them up. So I admire Aja's strength. I, I normally I have a tremendous amount of respect for Aja, but I can't at this point because she lets go immediately and then everybody forgets how to swim. Gemma's about to be eaten by a killer whale. We come back from our commercial break. And Rio takes off his shoes again and jumps into the orca tank. Rio's gonna punch a whale. Let's dissect our scene here. We are in a sea parks. We're in sea world here. There's a photographer and the photographer's assistant. There's a trainer who blew the whistle to make the to make the dolphins jump up. She has gone off to get life preservers. Rio and the photographer are going to jump in the water. Nobody's in a wetsuit. It's a terrible idea to do just to have a bunch of people jumping into the water in the first place after other people have fallen into the water cuz that's just going to make them more riled up. We're we're looking at a point where it's like there are no trainers that are standing by. There's no lifeguards. Nobody's ready to jump into the water. Nobody's in a swimsuit or a wetsuit or anything. So Rio nabs Kimber and Aja. The photographer grabs Shayna. Somehow nobody can see into the water. The water is completely impenetrable. Nobody can see Jim. There's rocks at the bottom of the tank. How big is this orca tank? It is, it goes on forever. Suddenly, Jem is Jerrica? Because something about water shorting out the, the Gem star earrings? It's just, okay, look, look, here's my thing, here's my thing. Our danger here, our danger is orcas. Look, depending on where you stand about SeaWorld, our best case scenario is that these are well-trained orcas who are very used to people. They're very used to people. They're not going to easily mistake them for seals. And they've probably already been fed. Our worst case scenario is that these orcas are too depressed to even try. There's, there's no scenario here in which anyone is going to be eaten by an orca. And yet they treat this as a legitimate threat. Like, these orcas are so poorly trained, apparently, that immediately, if anyone ever jumps into the water, they eat them. Obviously, the way to solve this problem isn't to use the fact that these are trained orcas. It's to open up a cage, and dolphins come out. They let dolphins into the orca tank. I'm gonna say here, and and John pointed this out to me when we were watching this, we think there should have been a Jurassic World moment here with the orcas and the dolphins. I mean, orcas aren't aren't really, they're closely related to dolphins. So there should have just been a moment where the orc is like, hey, so uh, so we're related. Dolphin's like, yeah, I guess so. And the orc is like, you should kill that glam rocker. <laughs> <laughs> and the dolphins are like, yeah, that seems legit. <laughs> that is something that should have happened. 
These dolphins are apparently like trained to save glam rockers. I don't, I don't get exactly what happens here. They rescue Jerrica because she's not Gem right now. Uh, drag her up to the other side of the pool, and apparently a few seconds of oxygen is enough to uh, reinitialize the Gem Star earrings, and gem, the Gem hologram comes back, and then they spot Gem from across the tank. Why was this even? This is another thing where it's like this is a this is a needless like plot point here. Also, is it just beer? Can Rio and Jerrica both hold their breath for a really long time? Oh, they can. They can. Uh, they may have both learned from Guybrush Threepwood. He can hold his breath for ten minutes. Anyway, Rio rushes over to Jem, and there's this big dramatic schmoopy. Oh, just hold me for a moment. I'm sure Jerrica won't mind. What is this moment? It's like, it's some kind of weird story bible thing where, like, it feels like the writer just independent of, of, like, the rest of the show has, like, looked up in the story bible that Rio is somehow torn between Jem and Jerrica, and he's like, you know what? I'm gonna establish that despite, like, no one else mentioning this. Just hold me for a minute, Rio. Jericho would understand. It's like, Jem? What the frick? And even Rio's like, uh, no. His exact line is, I better get you over to some towels and stuff. Meanwhile, over at some towels and stuff. They decide that, okay, the shoot at SeaWorld is, is over, if it wasn't over already, because health and safety reasons. So they're going to DC next. Meanwhile, the misfits are getting their pictures taken on a on a beach, and Roxy says, whoa, are we the queen of surf or what? Which I want to use in my daily life now. Oh, man, right? And they pick a fight with the photographer, because he is so done with them. And here's the part that's, like, incredible. He quits, and then Pizzazz is immediately like, we'll do it ourselves. Not we'll hire someone better. And then the other misfits do call her out on this to a degree, because they're like, how many pictures have you taken, Pizzazz? Lord grant me the confidence of, of Phyllis Gabor, because she genuinely thinks she can do everything. But they go to this fairground after they decide they're going to do it themselves, and Roxy and Stormer are like, well, who's going to take the photos? Well, Roxy, you'll hold the camera and take photos of me and Stormer, and Stormer, you can hold the camera and take photos of me and Roxy. I was like, are you ever going to hold the camera? She's like, no. Like, as though it's obvious. And then they climb into a roller coaster, of all things. These are the kind of shots that we expect from the Misfits. And then they start their song, We're Off and Running. Which is just them taking pictures of themselves. They're taking selfies on the fairgrounds is what they're doing in this music video. And they all get messed up. Uh, they're, they're awful pictures. Although considering that like Roxy's taking a bunch of them on a roller coaster, they could have been worse. Yeah, there's some impressive image stabilization happening there. I mean, it's just them being jerks at like a fairground. It's not a bad song, honestly. Like, it's kind of catchy, but I feel like it's... It's it's out of my head, like, as soon as it's done. So they get these photos. They say, yeah, this is probably pretty awesome. Uh, I also love the fact that the song ends as they get off the roller coaster. So they sang this whole song on the roller coaster, and that's pretty amazing. They go to 17 different publishers. Nobody wants these pictures. Nobody. Everybody hates these photos. Nobody wants to do the Misfits book. Here's a quick question, though. It, it occurred to me while watching this. Where's Eric? He's not in this episode. Isn't this, like, his job? Yeah, I mean, he he arranges things like fashion books and and flights to Paris for for Zipper and what is he doing in this whole episode? I think he's just kind of sitting in Misfits music just sort of twiddling his thumbs at his big desk. Like there's no shenanigans going on today. Why? He's actually getting work done and he's kind of frightened. So they go through 17 publishers, nobody wants these pictures, and Pizzazz says, "Well, that's fine. We'll just go to plan B." Which is to wreck the holograms book. Which is like, usually wrecking the holograms is plan A. 
That's usually, that's plans A through Z. That is every plan. John points this out to me while we're watching this. This means that every part of the Misfits plot up until this moment, which is about halfway through the episode, was completely pointless. It was just there to waste our time. But the piece of paper that Clash apparently stole from SeaWorld is the hologram schedule. So the Misfits now know where they're going to be for the various photo shoots. And uh, this actually won't come into play until after they leave Washington, D.C. Meanwhile, at a giant phallus, I mean, the Washington Monument. They're shooting on this enormous scaffold so they can get, like, all of the all of the D.C. skyline into the photos. But they're not, though. Like, they're shooting up against the Washington Monument. They're just taking pictures of themselves against a wall. The Washington Monument, while made out of Indiana limestone, go Indiana, go Hoosiers. And while being a giant tall phallus, if you just kind of squint at the side, it's not the most interesting thing in the world. No, and the thing is that Washington, D.C. is full of so many more immediately recognizable, more human-sized monuments, like the Abraham Lincoln Memorial, uh, even the Capitol Building, the the friggin' National Mall. Yeah, the, even the Vietnam uh, Wall, while being a wall, is covered with names, and it's got that shiny reflective thing that would be really awesome in a gym video. But I mean, there's just, there's so many more picturesque things to do in Washington, D.C. than take pictures against a giant wall, and as far as we can tell, this is the only shot that they take here. So... They've got this big scaffolding, as we established. Clash is around the corner of the Washington Monument and just sort of looks. She just takes a peek around the corner. Then the greatest thing in the whole world happens. She gets spotted by, it's not clear whether it's a cop or security officer, because he's got this dinky little electric golf cart that he's riding around in. So I'm leaning towards security officer. So she immediately starts running and shouts, see you later, Ossifer. Because he's just like, hey, you, what are you doing there? And after she runs... The guard apparently forgets how to drive. And then he forgets how to gravity. The little electric golf cart sort of flips over onto its side, bounces, violates Newton's laws, bounces up really far, like, you know, a hundred feet at least, and smashes into the scaffold at midpoint, like halfway down this hundred foot tall scaffold. I mean, it actually flies like... It has, it has pixie dust. I just had this down in my notes as the most incredible thing happens. I mean, I even go so, so far as to call it magical. It was just, it's just beautiful. It's beautiful. So like the scaffolding is, is coming apart. The stage is coming down. Rio grabs the security guard who bailed out of the cart, who is, he's totally fine, by the way. He's just standing. He doesn't even seem to have like recovered from a jump. He's just there. Yeah, he's just there. He's like, let's grab this blanket and make a trampoline. And everyone is saved. Including, like, the photographer who just does, like, a sweet flip and poses as he lands. Jem figures the misfits are responsible for this. She's like, that was close. Too close. I'd almost bet the misfits were around here somewhere. It's like, but, but Jem, accidents don't just happen, but they did. Ordinarily, I'd agree with you, but- They just did. Literally, SeaWorld. Like, 20 minutes ago. And right here, like, Clash didn't touch a thing. She was just there, and then the the security guy was bad at being a person operating in a physical world. Accidents totally happened. They just did. They just happened twice. Nobody caused you to trip on a a high platform and fall into an orca tank. That was 100% your bad judgment. And so we decide that we're done with Washington, D.C., and we hightail... To what is ostensibly the Grand Canyon. 
Our next scene is actually the misfits tromping around in a cave. I'm a rock star, not a rock climber. A cave, a cave in the Grand... Did anyone, like, send pictures of the Grand Canyon to Toei? Did Toei have, like, an encyclopedia set, maybe? Does anyone in Japan know what the Grand Canyon looks like at this period? I'm leaning towards no. There's nothing about this that looks like the Grand Canyon. Nothing! I'm not even sure it's the kind of formation that has many caves. But there's at least two here. And the misfits are in one of them. I love that Pizzazz is in, like, her April O'Neil outfit, and Stormer is, like, dressed to the nines for Scooby-Doo hijinks. And she even then pops out with, like, like, I don't think we're alone! And they find some bats. I feel bad for these bats, though. I feel bad for these bats, too. And, like, Pizzazz has a plan for the bats. Which is never good. Meanwhile, the holograms are taking shots against a wall. They're taking shots against a freaking wall of rock instead of taking advantage of what is ostensibly one of the most picturesque views in the United States of America. A wall. They gotta show off the killer in brackets whale outfits. And they can't have the audience being distracted by the picturesque vistas of the natural world, you know? So Pizzazz enacts her plan, which is throw a rock at a bat. Yeah, they throw the rock at the bats. The bats are all, oh, geez, we got to get out of here. There's someone throwing rocks at us. They fly up into a hole that is, like, coincidentally right behind where the uh, holograms are shooting. The holograms, like, decide that, well, I see bats, so let's run away from them towards the cliff edge instead of, like, maybe hunkering down or something. Shayna, in fact, tries to punch the bats. Yeah, Shayna tries to punch bats. It's fantastic. I didn't know Shayna had it in her. And they're getting scared further and further towards the cliff, and the cliff starts to crumble, and we have a literal cliffhanger on our commercial break. We have two, not one, but two, Memento Mori by our dolls in this episode. Memento Mori death by whale and Memento Mori death by bat. We come back from our commercial break. Everybody else except the holograms have hopped into a helicopter, and Jem says Synergy blasts them with sound. And suddenly, Synergy is the Black Canary. And they scare off the bats. It's just these little, like, sound wave thing. And they're pink sound waves. Don't forget that. Of course they're pink sound waves. Do you think Synergy made, like, pink sound wave holograms? Because I bet she would. Um, she definitely would. She has an aesthetic to uphold. So that scares away the bats. They There's there's no ladder, so this time they form a human ladder to get onto the helicopter. Uh, the misfits have also popped out of the cave in order to see what's going on, what happened. And later on, they find out what happened while looking at a newspaper, and they are so mad. Because it's gotten even more publicity for the Holograms Rock fashion book. Pizzazz is so mad that she decides for the rest of the episode she's going to reenact the plot from the Starbright miniseries. Let's go to Daddy. Uh, Daddy Gaborbucks has an amazing little piece of art in his office. It's like the most American thing, minus a crying eagle. It looks like something that, like, a third grader put together and he bought a poster of and framed it. She says she has a business proposal for him, and my heart breaks because Daddy Gaborbucks gets so excited. He's like, business? He's so excited, and it's just gonna be another hijink. Poor Daddy Gaborbucks. Poor Phyllis. Pizzazz tells, uh... Daddy Gabor Bucks to buy the Gem and the Holograms fashion book because it would be a great investment. She wants him to buy the rights to it. He's like, yeah, sure. This doesn't seem sketchy at all. Daddy Gabor Bucks is like, yeah, sure. Fashion book. That sounds like a good idea. Uh, Pizzazz even lists the Gem and the Holograms fashion book by name, which like surely that should send up a couple of red flags. Does Daddy Gabor Bucks know about the whole thing between the Misfits and the Holograms or is he just kind of like not involved at all? 
I don't think he listens to music. He knows that fashion books are selling well, but that's about it. I'm not even entirely sure he knows his daughter's in a band. The misfits head to Nassau, which is capital of the Bahamas, which is where the holograms are at the moment. Howard Sands comes to visit, just so he can be there when it turns out that the misfits now own the uh, Gems fashion book, and Clash is the new art director. Because Clash is qualified to do something like that. Sure. Sands is like, I'm going to call my friend Arlington, the guy who owns the publishing company. Howard Sands is pretty much here to just tie up, like, two loose ends. The Misfits uh, take over the shoot, and they make them basically a bunch of waif servant shots. Which would actually be pretty cool in high fashion. Yeah, honestly, like, they're setting the table, they're taking in luggage, they're, like, mopping the floors or something. I could, I could honestly see that really working as a juxtaposition with, like, high fashion. But, but no, apparently the holograms don't like it. They call the shots ridiculous, and they want to walk off the shoot. But of course they can't because they're contractually obligated to deliver a fashion book. The Starbright arc, is this still happening? Really? I also want to point out that while they are commiserating, uh, there's a guy in the foreground, this big burly blonde guy who just has an apron on him that says hot dog. And he's my favorite. The photographer shows up. And he's got the proofs from the bat attack. And he passes them around and they're all like super excited. And this essentially leads into our third music video uh, as they are doing stuff in the darkroom called uh, We Can Change It. I think We Can Change It might be the most like music video-esque music video, which sounds weird to say. But it seems like the most like a music video that I would actually see on television at the time. And also this song is a complete earworm for me. But they, they split everything into two envelopes. These are the photos we took today. These are the photos we're going to give to the misfits. Which is, again, this is the friggin' Starbright part with the friggin' tape of Jem's accident. But they pass off the photos to the misfits and the misfits don't check the photos until they are like standing right outside Daddy Gaborbuck's office. At which point they notice, aw oh, geez, here's photographic proof that we caused the bad attack at the Grand Canyon. <laughs> The thing is, though, they're really not. Again, these are all, like, close-ups of them being in front of a, a rock, in front of some rocks, maybe a cave, but it's all circumstantial. All you can say is that they were there, not that they caused it. The weird thing is that Pizzazz just sort of gives up. Yeah. It's just like, well, they win this time. That doesn't seem like Pizzazz. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't at all. She's just like, well, I'll just go explain to my dad. And honestly, like, this exchange between Pizzazz and her dad just kind of breaks my heart a little. Like, again, it's just kind of sad. It's just, Daddy, I, I, I kind of failed. And he's like, you made me waste a ton of money. And Pizzazz says the photos didn't come out right. And then Daddy Gaborbucks grabs the envelope out of her hands and sees that they are supposedly proof that the Misfits were messing up the shoot. And he takes it really personally. He's like, you sabotaged me and my investment. He's just kind of sad. Howard Sands pops in to sort of tie up the loose end. Says he'll uh, buy back the book at a significantly reduced rate so that Daddy Gaborbix can get at least some of his money out. And yeah, Arlington buys back the rights to the book and everything is as it should be. And then the next scene is this great, big, extremely crowded book signing because you can tell it's the 80s because it's a big, extremely crowded book signing for anything that isn't Harry Potter. Rio pops in because, of course, there hasn't been enough Rio in this episode. And he comes down and gives Jem this little quick hug. We get an O Rio. And Jem says, Jerrica will be so proud when I tell her how heroic you were. And and Rio's like, you really think so? And Jem's like, I know so. And then she winks right into the camera. And that's the end of our episode. But I mean, it also sort of begs the question, like, could he not have told Jerrica the story himself? Did he not like call her? 
How often does he try to call her? What what could the voicemails that Rio leaves possibly be like? So that wraps us up here today for uh, for the Rock Fashion Book. Uh, you can find us every Sunday on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. We are also a Patreon-supported podcast. If you like what we do, pop over there. Maybe give us a dollar or two. It'd be super cool. You can also find us on Tumblr and Twitter. Until next time, though, I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And this is the Gem Jam, where absence makes the heart grow outrageous.